What up, folks? This episode of the Smoking Tire Podcast is brought to you by HelloFresh. HelloFresh is different from those other services that send food to your house. Here's what HelloFresh does. They deliver you fresh, delightful, pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes every week, right? And for people like me, I like to cook. I take pride in my cooking. You know, I like to cook from scratch. I like to cook with really fresh ingredients. But when it's just me and my wife, I often have excess leftovers. I'm not even really into leftovers. There's waste. And the trips to the store can be annoying. Plus, you can get stuck in these ruts where you get really good at making five or six things, and then you just rotate through those things instead of coming up with new, delicious, inspiring recipes. And that's really what I like about HelloFresh. There's so much less food waste because I'm not buying all this food and then only cooking for two people. Uh, there's there's new inspiring recipes that I can choose from all the time, and then I make them. And then so once I make the HelloFresh recipe, I can then keep that recipe and, you know, bank it for later and either or either order more ingredients from HelloFresh or multiply the recipe uh, and serve that dish, you know, at a party later and say, I came up with it and make myself sound like a genius. HelloFresh's ingredients, they're sourced from growers, delivered from the farm to your front door in, in under a week. That's as good as any grocery store you're going to find. And uh, HelloFresh was named Newsweek's most trusted meal kit company of 2021 with over 4 million households served. Um, Last time HelloFresh advertised with us, I continued the plan on my own because I liked it so much. Um, The food was great. My wife loved it. And we ended up making exactly the right amount of food for dinner every night. There was no food waste. And it was was great. Uh, So go to HelloFresh.com slash SmokingTire12, SmokingTire, and then the number 12. And then once you're there, use code SMOKINGTIRE12 again uh, for 12 free meals, including free shipping. 12 free meals. It's like most of a week for you and a spouse. I mean, it's great. It's free food. Who doesn't like free fresh food? It gets like a free, an entire free load of groceries delivered to you. HelloFresh.com slash SMOKINGTIRE12, the number 12, and then use code SMOKINGTIRE12 again, all right? HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit for a reason, and you can get 12 free meals to figure that one out. Uh, We are also brought to you by Raycon. These guys sent me the coolest little earbuds, and I'm so happy to be promoting them because I've never really been into the wireless earbuds before, and with the Raycons, I've been getting into it, and I don't know if I can ever go back. I'm back to traveling. I went to my first press launch again. I'm on flights. I'm on the road, and I'm listening to podcasts, music, and books, and a pair of Raycon earbuds really makes a difference. You get crisp, powerful beats, half the price of other premium audio brands. The Raycons look great. They feel even better. They come in a bunch of different colors, and they have a a package of different size customizable gel tips, so they fit perfectly in a whole bunch of different types of ears. Raycons are built to go wherever you go, wherever I go, with quick and seamless Bluetooth pairing and a compact charging case. It was a USB-C charge, charged up really fast, and the battery lasts 24 hours on standby or six hours on chatting or uh, playing. And, I mean, look, they're light, they're 
They're portable. They look cool. They match my outfit. And uh, they're easy, easy for your lifestyle and to get a good custom fit uh, in your ear. And so I, you know, I've, I've been a wire guy, honestly. I've been sticking with the wire. But the battery life on these is great. They're light. And uh, Raycons, I think they got me converted. They do. And uh, Raycon's offering 15% off their products for uh, Smoke and Tire listeners. Here's what you got to do. Go to buyraycon.com, and that's R-A-Y-C-O-N, buyraycon.com slash smoking. Go to buyraycon.com slash smoking, and you'll get 15% off your entire Raycon order. It's a great deal. You're going to want to grab a pair and a spare. 15% off your entire order at buyraycon.com slash smoking, and that's buyraycon.com slash smoking. And of course, my favorite people in the ganja game, Tradecraft Farms, bringing it to the streets, not really the streets, actually, bringing it to like really high-end retail locations where people pay taxes and things like that. It's legal, California, very civilized. The rest of the world is catching on, but we're, we're really doing it down here. And Tradecraft Farms is the best THC and CBD edibles, vapables, smokables, aerosolables, you name it. They got some funky stuff. 24-karat gold joints. I was, like, passing out 24-karat gold joints uh, the other night, and people looked at me like I had three heads. It was awesome because you can't, you know, we're not passing. We're hanging out outside these days, right? But we're not passing joints. So you got to bring one for you and then bring one for everybody else. So when I busted out a six-pack of, of gold Tradecraft Farms joints. It was pretty cool. I was the man. Uh, if you're not in California and you can't get this kind of stuff legit, just give them a follow on Instagram, Tradecraft Farms. Tell them your boy Matt Farris sent you. Keep this hilarious sponsorship train rolling. All right, on this episode of the Spoken Tire Podcast, Dan Prosser of the Intercooler is calling in from the UK. Good news. The homie has a much better internet connection than his pal Andrew Frankel from the other week. And we have a great chat about how Dan got into the business, some of his great uh, auto journalist stories, including taking a Corvette to the 24 Hours of Le Mans at just 21 years old. Uh, We talk about the new GT3, some of our other favorite and not so uh, favorite things that are going on in the car world right now, and take some of your questions. Make sure to download the internet. Intercooler app on the iOS and Apple stores and the Android stores and enjoy this chat with Dan Prosser of the Intercooler on the Smoking Tire Podcast. Market, it's the show. Dan Prosser of the Intercooler is on the Smoking Tire Podcast. Hello. Hello, how you doing, Matt? How you doing, Zach? All good? Oh man. Vaxed up, ready to go. It's fun times. Oh nice. Going to my going to the first uh my first public event tomorrow. I'm going to a private Christian James hand session, which is like a music thing. Everyone's got to show their Vax cards. It's like one of those oh. deals. Yeah. So when did you get your Vax? What this week? No, no. Uh, like second one was like two weeks ago. So now we've uh, we've hit we've hit the shre- the threshold of happy fun times. Yeah, I've, I haven't had one yet. What? Um, th- yeah. I, well, I don't know. I think we're we're slightly behind you guys now. Oh boy! Um, but, we well, we just we we hit the point where uh, people don't want them anymore. 
<laughs> we at the point where everybody's everybody's got extras and they're trying to figure out how to like it's like Halloween candy <laughs> uh, you know the day after Halloween <laughs> yeah it's like a CVS on February 15th <laughs> lots did of the, did the jab make you feel bad no like for a couple of days not at all. no uh, no my wife felt bad for 12 hours but I felt I, I was fine yeah <laughs> team Moderna uh, what up yeah. As soon as I'm offered one, I'm going. But yeah, I don't know. It does seem a little bit slow over here now. It, that I I thought you guys uh, I thought you guys would have this sorted by now. I guess not. All right. Well, yeah. Good luck. You'll be fine. Don't worry about it. It's Thank good. You. It oh, doesn't. Oh, I, uh, I was more. I fucked myself up on the first one from um, anxiety about it. You know, your anxiety can fuck your body up. You know, if it's strong enough. Yeah. yeah. That happened, but there were no actual physical uh, side effects. No, good. Okay, it's, fine. Uh, a few people have told me that it's it was like having a cold for 24 hours or something, and then it's just gone. Yeah, that was pretty um, much my I'll wife's experience. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah, well, I can't wait to have that jab in my arm. Roll the dice, man. New shooter. Yep. You feel it's wor It's so worth it in the uh, comfort of, like, yo, this shitty year and change is over for me. You know what I mean? It's like that thing. It's like, let's go, let's get back to our lives now. It's like, it feels it feels really, really good to not be like, not just worried about getting sick. I'm not worried about getting sick. I'm worried about, I'm worried about getting just sick enough to not know I'm sick and then getting somebody really sick yeah. accidentally. Yeah. And so that actually was what was stressing me out. I'm not worried about getting sick, but so not this not having that is good. This is an important message, right? Because all that anti-vax stuff out there, all that disinformation, we need people like you saying, get your jab. It's good. Yeah, you should get it. Do it. It's, it, makes you, it makes you feel good. It does. Yeah. It, you don't even realize it. It makes you feel good. You're like, I don't have, it's like, it, it means that, it means that like, it's basically over. It really does. California yeah. is like about to like eliminate because we have a really high percentage oh, of really? people getting it. Yeah, California is like fucking crushing it right now. We were fucked in December, but we are we are crushing it right now. You know what else what? is crushing it right now? The intercooler. <laughs> Smooth. <laughs> Go get That's your shots, you people, please. It's that. good for you and those around you. But let's talk about cars. Let's talk about cars. That's yeah. What I know about. It's going yeah, well. It is going well. So yeah, we're two and a bit weeks into our launch. We launched an app. We've been doing the Instagram thing for almost three years. We launched an app recently. Um, you had Andrew on. You had my my friend and business partner Andrew on when his he did two hours of fabulous finally, radio. Do you know what his he's good at that stuff because his his knowledge that he can just call on like that it's all in there. If you want to know who won Le Mans in 1986, he'll just go bang and he'll tell you about the car. He'll tell you about how they won the race, who didn't win the race, all that stuff, and it's. It's extraordinary, and I, I, th I think I feel pleased for him that he's found an outlet for it. <laughs> uh, it, would, it would be it would be a shame and maybe unhealthy <laughs> if he just had all that knowledge and nothing to do with it. There are in this business a variety of savant-like people that are able to retain. I mean, oh, just a, a crazy amount of knowledge about shit like that. Marshall Pruitt. Is like mm -hmm. fucking off, off the chain. Uh, that okay. uh, Hinhaw, the F formula, the, the Hinhaw, yeah. uh, that guy. I mean, unreal. Will Buxton. These guys yeah. can just regurgitate the stuff. He they know it. Yeah. And, 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 and they know what Andrew Frankel driver, is one of those folks. What the too. driver had the dinner before yeah. and why they were a little off and then how they did and how the car was set up. It's really impressive. Savant people. Do you know what I what I found 
is that like I've always loved cars ever since I was a little kid. Love cars, love reading about them, watching about them, driving them, all that stuff, right? Um, and I got into car journalism, and I found that I was surrounded by world champion car geeks, and they made me think, shit, am I actually? Not a car geek. <laughs> I feel that all the time. Yeah, all yeah, the time. yeah. <laughs> it's really yeah, it's yeah. When you when you're at a table and it's like Jason Camisa, Tony Caroga, and Aaron Robinson, and you're like, oh, I really don't know fucking anything about anything, do I? <laughs> Fuck me. <laughs> and you're very you're well, very strong cool. in this regard, but Camisa's like, you know what foam they use? In Have the you seen Camisa's spreadsheet, Dan? It's fucking crazy. No, what's the Camisa has has a spreadsheet for every car he's ever driven, and so oh, whenever he's on the I'd podcast, that. yeah, well, that's what. Oh, he you've, says yeah, most you've of the time. done it, and you you just you shout a number, don't you? <laughs> yes, he'll tell you what car it was, and he just reviews he some it. random shit box he drove nine years yeah. ago. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. I wish I'd had that foresight. Uh, how did you actually get started writing about cars, other than being world champion car geek? Well, I try. Uh, do you know, I'm just one of these guys who always knew I wanted to do it. When I was really young, I thought car design. I just thought something about cars, and I thought maybe car design was what I wanted to do. But I can't draw. I do, it's hopeless. hopeless. It's very no, hard, isn't it? Oh, just no artistic ability in me whatsoever. Uh, and so I, I, actually what put me off is... I was probably 15 and I did a week of what in the UK we call work experience. You know, when you're a school kid and you go into a place of work and just sort of shadow people for a week. Um, yeah, we call that I, interns, I, but it's more like there's more of like a slave element uh, oh, to yeah. it. <laughs> a bit. Oh, yeah. You're the yeah, you're there to make cups of tea, really. Yeah. And coffee. Yeah. That's what you're doing. And I so I I at that point quite wanted to be a car designer. And so I had a, my uncle had a contact who could get me a week's work experience, but it was in the engineering division and I'm hopeless at maths and physics and all that stuff. So I just sat there for a week, not understanding anything that anyone was saying to me. And I was like, this isn't what I want to do at all. And so after that, I just started having to think about what else I could do. I was reading car magazines at that time. And I, I guess I just thought, Actually, that'd be quite good fun, wouldn't it? Drive these cars, write about them. I enjoy writing. And so from like the age of 16, I just knew I wanted to do it. Um, wow. And so I, I didn't bother with university. I thought I could probably get there without going. Um, and my foot in the door That's was doing motorsport smart, reports. By the way. <laughs> well, well, do you know what? I'm, sometimes I think it's not that smart because who, if I'd gone to uni and got a good degree like English or something, who, I don't know. I could have gone. You'd be in exactly the same place you yeah, are right now. Yeah, probably, probably exactly just, the same I just, place I'm just right saying. Now. But in America, you'd be in the same place, but you'd be two hundred thousand dollars in debt. Do you know what? That is that is a good call because yeah, no student debt. It's not. I'm not saying don't go to college, people. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that if you know you want to do the job that Dan yeah. and I and Zach have, a college degree is not necessary if you're actually good at the skills. Nobody yeah, gives well, a shit. Okay, on that, on, that, on that thread then, let me give some advice. If there is anyone out there who wants to do what we do, my in the door was motorsport reporting because everyone wants to go on a McLaren launch and drive supercars in California, all that stuff. Very few people want to go and stand at the end of a stage in the middle of a forest in Wales in December when it's raining and just hope that some of the drivers stop to talk to you because you've got to write 
a 1,000 word report for some motorsport newspaper. But if you can get that opportunity, go and, go and do that, write some good stuff, get some good stuff published, you've got a foot in the door. And then you That's can approach car magazines and say, I've done this. And then who knows? That is a very good move. Yeah, that's a gig that people probably don't think about. And c covering rally is hard. That's a hard <laughs> job. Covering a yeah. fucking rally. You got to get up early. You want to be on stage. You got to get out there before the safety car and shit. You're yeah. up You're early. fishing with no boat. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're just walking yeah, around casting lines. Yeah, It's tough. It's tough. People don't want to talk to you. It's really hard. <laughs> you know, actually, it's and, and, you know, motorsport, proper motorsport journalism is a sort of vocation in its own right, isn't it? But I, it just worked for me. I just found it as a good way to demonstrate that I was enthusiastic, that I could, I could write and I loved cars. Um, and it just meant that when there was a, a new magazine starting up when I was 20, um, I was able to apply for the job that they had going as a, just for a junior staff writer. And because I'd done those bits and pieces of motorsport reporting, it was enough to get me that job. And I was away. Um, although that was at the end of 2007, when <laughs> a publishing company launched a new car magazine to try and compete with Evo magazine. Uh, and then the world went into financial meltdown. What um, magazine was that? It was, it was called Performance Car, which was a well-known magazine back in the 80s and 90s. We brought it back for a couple of years at the, well, start of 2008. Timing was horrendous. Could not have been worse. Um, the, the publishing house managed to keep it going for two years and it eventually got killed as it was always going to given that started in the midst of a massive financial crash and <laughs> yeah. no one was spending money on advertising and people weren't really buying magazines. It was a disaster. There you go. Was it good while there it lasted? Go. It got good. Yeah. We started out, you know, still finding our feet. 18 months in, it got good, and we were doing good stuff. Um, Putting magazines together, like full-on full, full on magazines, is very, very hard. That, that, is, oh, that is a tough, tough job, man. Yeah, it is. And when you're doing it with, you know, skinny budgets and in a competitive market, it's tough. And, you know, we, we were a young team. I was 21 when it launched. The editor was 29. Uh, there was, you know, only three of us on staff. So I think we did some good stuff over those couple of years. But if it worked for me, we were a team of three and we were trying to compete with Evo. And so that meant at 21, I was driving supercars. Yeah. I took a, I took a Corvette to Le Mans, just me and the bloody reckless photographer from the, the magazine. Um, and it was insane. And I just thought, at 21, no other magazine. Like, you, can't, you can't even fucking rent a Corvette in America at 21. Yeah. <laughs> you got to awesome. be, like, you gotta be <laughs> like 25 to just rent a Corvette from Hertz in or Enterprise in America. You should be 25, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, and going to Le Mans, when I'm sure you've been there on the sort of Thursday or Friday, all the roads around the track, they're just chaos. And you get stopped and people, there's a crowd of people and they're all English because they're idiots or they're British at least. <laughs> and they all wave you down. They flood the road. They stop you. And there's hundreds of them. And because you're in a bright yellow Corvette, you're not going to get through until you've done a massive a burnout. burnout. 
Oh yeah, oh, that's awesome. This, um, you know, that's actually I'm 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 actually proud of the English. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna say in that situation, go England because what you have described is the most Jersey fucking behavior ever. <laughs> you want to talk about some like me and my friend? You know Larry Casilla, Dan, uh, the ammo guy, the crazy detailing guy. Okay. He's he's a YouTuber and he's like one of the best detailers right. in the world. Anyway, we we used to go to these car shows in South Jersey with our Mustangs, and that was like the mo. They surround your car, and then they have super soakers and they spray your tires down. Sometimes with water, sometimes with bleach. Wow! And then they surround yeah. your car and they don't let you leave until you just do a monster brake stand. Wow. But then, <laughs> as happens to to me, the cops roll up on a bicycle. And, and they give you a ticket that's a reckless in Jersey and it's a mandatory court appearance. But they give out hundreds of tickets. Yeah, they give out hundreds of tickets on this day. So like three months later, when you go back and you go to court, it's like a car show in the police station parking lot. Everyone's got these hot rods and shit. Uh, <laughs> and they throw cool. out all the points. They just want your money. So they collect your uh, fines. They throw out everybody's points. What's well, the state oh, where if you pay double your your speeding ticket gets erased, right? Oh, is it? Is yeah. that Jersey? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jersey's really uh, it's really a, a reflection of Chris Christie, uh, if you know that is. The governor of Jersey is like a real corrupt guy. Hang um, on. So, so when when the police turn up on a bicycle, yeah, what, have they got have they got a siren? Have they got flashing lights? Yeah. Has he got, has it goes whoop whoop. They've got a little on siren and a fucking like yeah, <laughs> kind of yeah. It's really lame. <laughs> I wish I could say that was the only time I've been ticketed by a bicycle, but that would be a lie. I've been ticketed twice on a, by, by a bicycle. In that the same car, no less. That you'd Mustang. think you'd be able to outrun a bicycle, wouldn't you? Not in when you have 300 people uh, you know, around the car. That's the kind of thing. It's like almost entrapment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the cops on the most mobile solution. Officer, I did that monstrous break stand in the bleach puddle under duress. I'm surprised <laughs> the cop wasn't yeah. on roller skates, you know? You can get around even quicker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so fucked at, up. At Le Mans, but at go Le Mans. England, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, it's actually quite good fun. So, but I was, I've, you know, been driving those sorts of cars for five or six months. Um, and. I'm, I'm there at Le Mans, got the photographer with me, all these people crowded around uh, saying, burn out, chanting, you know, they're not going to let me go. Um, and the photographer, the, the, I just look to my side and I see him grab his camera, look at me and go, you're going to have to do it, mate. I've never done a burnout before. You never done one before? I've never done oh one God. before. I was like, You're gonna have to do it, mate. I just thought, I just thought, okay, well, this is either how I kill someone, you know, I'm either going to cars and coffee it into someone's legs, or right. I just give it full gas, dump the clutch on the brakes, and just see what happens. And of course, what you realize is that doing a burnout is really easy, isn't it? <laughs> it's so straightforward. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What yeah. year was this? Oh, wait, 2008. So it was a- Oh, so a, it's a, was this like yeah. a fucking Z06 too? Like a, like a big- Oh, this was like a real, it's, yeah, I don't know why in my head, because it's not like you look old or anything, but for some reason in my head, this story takes place in like a 1994 ZR1, <laughs> like a C4, I don't know why. It's like, I think because, yeah, well, yeah. Oh, yeah, so your car probably, it probably looked like the fucking race cars too, right? Like yellow with the Jake on it or yeah. something? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you're, yeah, you're not getting through that crowd of people without doing something. Yeah. Do you know what, actually, talking about all that stuff, 
and you know uh, when this happened. Zach, I watched your Integra Type R video, and mm-hmm. you said that you were driving while at school in the late nineties. I thought you were like twenty-eight. No, I'm I'm thirty-eight. Zach and I are the same age. Do you know that? Go to a two shot. Zach and I are <laughs> the same age. Yeah. Well, Isn't okay. I'll, I'll, People I'll, think he's my kid. It's fucked up. Remember that at Lemons, someone asked that, did. and you gave him a look, and that guy left. No, he left quick. <laughs> he, he looked at me, and he went, "I guess I'm never friends with Matt Farah," and yep. he just walked away. <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah. Well, Zach's got that baby face, isn't he? Well, Matt had more fun in high school. I, I yeah, high school and, and college, college really. were pretty kind to me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, I, I've, and frankly, I inherited the gray gene from my parents. Oh, that's true. Yeah, my sister, who I was like, wow, she escaped the gray gene, didn't she? We had a little Zoom call at the end of the pandemic. I'm like, nope, oh, she wow. did not escape the gray gene. <laughs> oh, she hasn't been dying in a while. She's Sorry, four, Lex. She's 14. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> um, but fuck yeah, me, I'm- dude. Wait, to be driving supercars in magazine tests at 21 years old is crazy town that's yeah, fucking would, wild and you probably had a business card that said something like editor on it too didn't you no it, it, it said staff writer but that business card got distributed to, in a lot of nightclubs when i was 21 <laughs> and that's how i lived in so here you go you can and it worked it worked a couple of times really you know that's yeah when I'm, if it says performance car magazine staff writer and you're targeting 20-year-old girls. <laughs> That's quite impressive. Well, plus, if you're bringing press cars home, I mean, you know, yeah. you've got, you know, it's not uh, it's not all talk, is it? Do you want to come I, check I out the new Vauxhall insignia yeah. in, the, <laughs> in the driveway. No, we, is that a, that's a car, right? Did I get that right? Yeah, we yeah, were, yeah, we were on a, a shoot once in like the middle of the desert and we were, we were at the bar because that's what we did after the shoot. And this girl's talking to me and she goes, what do you do? And this is like 2010. We had no money. So I, I'm driving the Raptor camera car and like carrying cases. That's my job. And I go, well, I drive the camera car. We film videos. And she goes, you're a race car driver. And I say, <laughs> I swear to God, I'm nervous. And I go, no, 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 no. You don't understand. Like, we film cars. So one car, but I explain all of it. And she goes, you're a race car driver. <laughs> she wanted to believe me. I'm going to tell my friends <laughs> okay. that you're a race car you're driver. Race car. That's really funny. <laughs> I once had a girl th- think my, she got into my Corvette. I had a, C- a 1998 Corvette. She got into my Corvette, which if you've ever been in one, it says Corvette on the dashboard directly in front of the passenger seat. And she got in the car and went, I can't believe you drive a Ferrari. <laughs> it was the one and only time that car ever got me the sex. What an <laughs> <laughs> you know, I yeah, you're right. So at 21, I had uh, I had all these cars, and I thought I was doing really well one day to pick up this girl in a, a Mercedes ML63 AMG. I thought it was really cool, you know. I, it's worth loads of money. Made a noise. Picked her up in it. Picked her up from this outrageous house that she lived in with her family. Um, Drove around, made a load of noise, drove like a complete knob. It turned out she was a massive environmentalist and she hated <laughs> the car. He, do you understand how much <laughs> gas he burned? He, all he did, the whole date, all he did was burn gas. That was all he wanted to do. Do you believe that? It's crazy. It wasn't cool. It wasn't cool. <laughs> yeah, you bet wrong, brother. <laughs> Got that wrong. Well, the answer yeah. I thought people like cars, not all of them. Uh, I had a press. I had a uh, press car go wrong once, where 
I brought, I actually legitimately brought home uh, the Brabus smart car. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It was maybe my second or third press car ever. Uh, And I (laughs) brought it home. And my girlfriend at the time, who was this like redheaded bartender who would like blow fireballs of Jameson and was fucking crazy, was like, I'm not getting in that. (laughs) <laughs> and she literally meant that she wouldn't get it. I was like, "You're standing on like a free car, like we're just gonna have to around. It's like kind of a novelty, like no, not getting in that." And like did the foot stamp thing. Yeah, no, <laughs> not, not in the driveway. That's a shame. So, hey, do you mean the you mean the little sports car one, don't you? The little no, no, the little... The, no. Oh, okay. The Smart Four Two in America came in with a Brabus package optional on it for real. Yeah. It looks yeah, like okay. this. It's a complete horror show, yes, in, in case you're wondering. <laughs> it is a massive horror show. Does that have a twin turbo V12 it in it, though? It fully embarrasses the Brabus brand. I haven't <laughs> taken one of their cars seriously since. Why did they let that happen? I don't what know. Does driving Do you know what they're selling now? I mean, what they're selling now is pretty embarrassing. Those G-Wagons, yuck. But they've, uh, they've always done something like that. They sell a car right now called the Wide Star. That's the name Wide. of it. Wide Star. That's what they landed on. And if you've ever seen one in person, and because I live in Los Angeles, I see them all the goddamn time, it has a monstrous glued-on fake carbon fiber hood scoop. Look at any picture of it. It is absolutely fraudemars. It is. It's just glued and plopped on till it's the most. Look at that snout. That's not real. It's. It's so shamefully embarrassing. I can't believe that people are paying money for this. If you've got a glued-on bonnet vent that doesn't do anything, (laughs) you deserve to have it pulled off, don't you? Yes. In the street. You see the spoiler? The spoiler he just pulled up to? It's got like a Civic Type R wing on the back of it. Look at that! Oh my god! It's just glued on. And it's that whole entire panel is just plopped on. And by the way, if it's not black, if you get a one, one of these that's not in black, that plopped on thing, it's black. It's black on all of them. It's like a shaker hood. Uh, Contrast glued on. Doesn't bring in any air. Look at that non-extracting vent. Look at those vents. They're non, it's not, none of this does anything. It's all just glued on. That's that's terrible. They're not even (laughs) trying anymore. Come on, they can do better. Wow. The wide star. (laughs) I I bet for a certain type of buyer, it's the coolest car on the road, isn't it? Do you know how many of these I see? Well, there you go. There must be a few. I see these all fucking over the place. And what are they charging? Oh, it's got to be four hundred. It's got to be fucking four hundred grand for one of these. Yeah. Let's see. It's got to be so stupid. You don't, dude. I, I, we live on idiot island sometimes. <laughs> the well, I think we, the same about me. So. The things yeah. that we see people regularly spending money on here. Is yeah. just unfathomable. I mean, you wouldn't believe the number of Mansori Uruses I see on a weekly basis. At least three or four a week. Man's full Mansori yeah. Urus. Like these people have like four hundred thousand dollars, and that's what they're blowing it on. Like, holy shit! You got a price, Zach? I'm trying. <laughs> they bury it. They, it's not. Uh, it's not uh, easy for. Uh, not easy to find. You but must... the, do you know what? I'd, I'd love to know what sort of money Mansory makes. It, it must be a heck of a business. Oh my! Oh, oh here we go. Look here, eight hundred wide stars got pulled up. Three hundred and sixty-six thousand euro 
Hey, v- VAT is included. Oh, thanks. Really? <laughs> <laughs> How about the gold, the black and gold edition to the left of it, Zach? Like a Datsun Z. 453,000 euros. Ah! <laughs> wow. What about the... What about that really jacked up one? Is that the, well, that one is a crab? square. That one is actual port. Uh, oh, it's a value. 230K euros. With the portal axles. With portal axles. That I mean, that actually is, you just pull off the ugly carbon scoop, which it has, and you're back to normal. Yeah. You're good. I will <laughs> oh, say that okay. when I was a kid, I think, I think Jason Plato did a video with the Bravis rocket. And I, was, I thought it was like the coolest thing ever. Well, just it, was. it was. They were putting V12s in an E-Class. Exactly. I mean, where, how do we CLS. go from building the sleepiest sleepers in history Twin yeah. turbo V12 E classes to things that are just g- glued on parts and then a, f- the f- a tune and, and an exhaust on a fucking four liter. Because if you pull up to the club in a sleeper, people think you have the same car as their dentist. But if you pull up in this, it's like you've got to have some money and you're Cha-ching. definitely going to spend it on me and on something because you're an idiot. Look how much orange Maybe there I need is one in of these. Things. Oh, you need boy. one of these, Dan. So, yeah, bra- Brabus used to do cool stuff, didn't they? It was Brabus that oh, did yeah. the E-Class with the wheel spats, wasn't it? Yeah. The aero. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. And, it, had, and it, it was like a 200 mile an hour E-Class. Like that <laughs> I can get on board with. Yeah. They had the the rocket and the there was the bullet, I think, also, which might have been a CLS class um, yeah. with, you know, also, you know, with 1,000 horsepower or whatever it was. The Russians. The Russians would really, they'd runway race those things. Because the Russians yeah. would go, they've would. got that mile-long side-by-side drag strip. So they're the only people they who do. can run full mile side-by-side. It's divided. That's cool. Yeah. Fucking Russia. That's pretty cool. Yeah, there we yeah. go. Well, See, they- that's cool. The Brabus Rock, Rocket CLS, 2005. Yeah, V twelve, a V12 and a CLS. That is excellent. Mm-hmm. It does not get any better in Mercedes land than that. That's do you perfect. reckon it's horrendous to drive? Yes. but who cares obviously imagine the traction issue and if you put those like uh, you know you know them like headers that they put on the S classes to make them sound like Zondas you know you gotta put the crazy headers on there so it sounds like a Zonda I don't think it gets much better than a V12 shoved into a CLS that sounds pretty much perfect to me it's the opposite of a glued on hood scoop (laughs) 12 piston brakes. (laughs) Fuck out of here. Wow. It has ceramics back in 05. Oh, wow. That must have been very expensive. It does stop. And look, it's most powerful tube engine ever tested in Germany. How much power is that? 800? Yeah. 730 horsepower, 6.3 liter twin turbo, uh, 0 to 300 kilometers in under 30 seconds. Back in 05. In 05, damn, that's pretty fast. Was nuts in anything. That's flying. That's flying, isn't it? But you can see why, can't you? Like, why things like the E63 just had to go four-wheel drive. It just oh, got yeah. to that point. 600 horsepower. It was... It would be a, wa- well, a waste of time, wouldn't it? Rear-wheel well, drive, uh, particularly in the wet. Yeah. It's not going to go anywhere. Back in, I think it was like, what was like the last year before they went four-wheel drive, maybe like 12 or 13 maybe, or 14, something like that? 13, yeah, 14, 13 maybe, yeah, around that. Yeah, Zach and I were doing a, an old, a different 
we ma- we now make a show called Modified on Haggerty's channel, but we were making another show back in the day. But we went down to Rentec in Florida, and they had a CLS sixty three that was like the last year before it was four wheel drive, and this thing had a stock body, stock wheels, and it ran a nine second quarter mile with a full interior. It was like nine hundred horsepower, but you had to do that. You had to take off the rear wheels and put on these, you know, Mickey Thompsons, you know, and or whatever deflated to yeah. like four psi. With regular road tires, it would do burnouts at 80 to 100 miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's it's fun, isn't it? It is fun. Yeah, it was fun. But, it was. <laughs> do you know what? I, I really don't know what quarter mile times mean because <clears throat> we don't really talk about quarter mile here in the UK. All I know is I just have to think back to the Fast and Furious films where uh, Vin Diesel says, you owe me a 10-second car. Yes. And so I know that 10 seconds is fast, and anything under that is really fast. Oh, yeah. There's a guy in Florida who tuned his McLaren 765LT that's running in the 8s right now on a street car. Uh, that's and not a car that needs more power. <laughs> that's, that's not... I've heard Bro, you talk about this before. That car, <laughs> that car... No, that car does not need to be faster. No, we could stop. We, in fact, we could slow down a little bit. We could, we could fucking yeah. chill the fuck out. <laughs> Did you drive the new GT3 yet? Yeah, yeah, only on track. Only Tell on me track. your thoughts. Ah, uh, well, it's, I mean, phenomenal powertrain. That's pretty much carried over from the last one, isn't it? So we'd know that. Um, it's. I mean, it's awesome. I think what I like about those cars most on track. Yeah. Oh God, I look a knob, don't I? Can you take that picture down, please? What, <laughs> what I, you look thin. I, what That's I love, good. Thank you. What I love about those cars on track is how durable they feel. Yeah. Like you just think you can hammer it all day on circuit. It's not going to overheat. It's not going to destroy its brakes, and it's it's going to be durable. And I I don't think Porsche gets quite enough praise for how tough those things are um and of course it's just it's mega to drive and that that new front end makes a big difference uh and it's it's a gt3 isn't it that turns in and holds a line it's it's spectacular but i've not driven it on the road and a few people that i trust andrew frankel being one of them says that it's pretty uncompromising on the road so i i was interested to know what you guys thought I agree with Andrew. I haven't driven it on track. Um, on the road, if the tarmac is good, it's fabulous. Yeah. Uh, if it's yeah, bumpy, um, actually, Chris Harris used the word busy, which is I think is the best word to describe it. It is busy, especially if you've had any time. You know, I gave it back. The first, I drove it twice. I'm a little spoiled because I wrote a, the, a first drive for the web, and then I, I wrote the full piece for Road and Track. So I got three more days, which was pretty pretty fun. But um, the fir- after the first drive, I was like, oh, man, this thing kind of beat the shit out of me. And, and mm. I drove a McLaren right afterwards. And the carbon-tubbed car, like, it could be so much softer uh, in mm. the suspension. And I was like, oh, shit. And then I drove it again, and I was like, actually, it's not that bad uh but yeah. it, it pretty much feels like the last generation's rs is kind mm, of what it feels yeah. like yeah i um, think it's interesting that they've that they've done that they'll have their reasons it might be that the gt3 touring is quite different and it's much more sort of relaxed in that sense i just think it's a pity though because for me the the appeal in those gt3s was always that they were brilliant on the road yeah and in the uk i'm sure you've driven some of our roads they're horrendous yeah. but a gt3 
always dealt with them. It was always weirdly supple and plush, given that it's sort of a, you know, a track-focused sports car. And I just Yeah, the, the response thing. I got from Porsche on that was that the other products, the other 911s perform at such a high level that they wanted to move the GT3 a little further into motorsport theater. Yeah, uh, and make it feel a little more like the the race car because the the you know obviously a Carrera S is real fast uh, and for a fucking turbo like forget it mm-hmm. I mean a turbo is just batshit at this point yeah. um, so yeah. you gotta wonder if they if they had just backed that Nurburgring time back from like seventeen to like eight <laughs> yeah you know and they yeah. just toned down the arrow a little and then they could soften the spring a little like did they just go a little bit too far it's not horrible like it's still manageable but like. They also told me that they don't plan to change anything for the touring besides removing the wing. Oh, I hope that oh. that isn't the case. And no, truly, they, they have to change this. And they have a softer spring right. rate or something for the touring. I hope, but mm. yeah, you know what we're driving the, right now is need... funky. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. They need no, no, no. Go on. I'm, what are you driving? I know what you're driving. And we'll come back to it. Say it'll still be in the driveway. <laughs> yeah. The, th- the thing about the GT, I thought that they needed that spring rate because it's got all that aero now. And you need all that. You need the spring rate to support the aero. So at 190 miles an hour, it's not just squashed into the road. And yeah, we all thought, didn't we, that without that wing, the touring would have much less downforce and therefore not need the spring rate. But it sounds like that's not what they're doing at all. I, I'm repeating what I heard. So maybe there's still time to to change it. Maybe that. Maybe I heard wrong. I don't know. So there might still be time to change it. They might still be fine-tuning it. I don't know. I might be completely off base. Well, they might also just tell you something to, you know, put a bookmark on you. But I think what's happening is, like, you know, uh, over the last five or six years, the GT3 has sort of moved from a bit of, like, from the the cutting edge to uh, sort of a last hurrah, maybe, for the NA engine, or that's not the right word, but, like, Almost like a throwback, like it's like almost like a, you know, the, <laughs> yeah. the old the old tech you can still buy, you know, almost like Harley Davidson, you know, selling, you know, bikes in the older style or whatever. It's like that you you buy it almost for like um, nostalgia reasons or, or tradition. Yeah. In a world of hybridization and yeah. supercars, they just go, you know what, the engine's still an NA motor. Yeah, we just did some motorsports stuff to it to make it quicker. Yeah, like and we, we didn't even yeah. put the eighth gear. Like right. that's that's kind of awesome because uh, they know the that their market awesome. will absorb you know these drivers cars. Yeah, yeah, and you can you can still get a manual box if you want it. Yeah, that's did you drive it with, it? A, with a stick or PDK? PDK. Yeah. yeah, only PDK for now. But the, I don't know if any of the box. press cars are stick yet. A lot of people were like, "Why is the one you didn't drive your stick?" I don't think there's a, a stick press car. At least there's yeah. not in America. I think they come a bit later. I think it will be a few months before we get them actually. It's interesting, um, that, though, I, that they have to, because they use the older PDK gearbox, they don't use the new one, that they have to put a mechanical shifter level, because mm-hmm. that lever, because that's actually operated by a cable, and they can't use mm-hmm. the little, uh, the, the, little the, the, buzz, thing. the buzzer thing, the face buzzer. Yeah, <laughs> that little thing that sticks up, which is a bit rubbish, isn't it? And, you, yeah, you can't shift on that. Did you, Harris's, Chris Harris's video that he shot at the same place I shot mine, he does the, the transition... Um, slide through this sort of S-bend and you see him coming out of the S-bend it's it's a second gear corner and on the exit of the corner he pulls the paddle the the lever for the for the upshift 
and third gear just bangs straight in and the car keeps sliding. I saw yeah. that. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Yeah. yeah. That's, that is cool. good fun. And you know what I forgot to test? I feel delinquent to my duties. Did you test the clutch kick on this one? Is it good? No. I forgot. Shit. I completely forgot. But, they, yeah, but it does it still, right? It must still do it. Why yeah. would they take that away? It's got yeah, to still do the same paddles, transmission, right? And it, yeah. And then it drops the clutch, doesn't it? That's very right. fun. That's like, that's okay. like, I mean, whoever was like, hey, guys, we need to figure out how to make this thing clutch kick, and then they execute yeah. that, it's like, thank you. They're yeah. really good Keep at automatics stuff, fun. You know, like selling to drivers and enthusiasts. I mean, that word gets thrown around a lot, but Porsche really goes, you know, a lot of our market really like driving. Yeah. And we, what can we do with the te technology we have to like mm -hmm. really elevate that? Compare that to and something it, else I drove recently that upshifted automatically at Redline. Wah, wah. Yeah. <laughs> That's not, that's not a motorsports car. No, it is not. Well, what was that? Can I can't say because it? it's embargoed. Okay. <laughs> I'll tell you. On, All right, I, I'll tell you I in two weeks. <laughs> so you were, yeah, you were talking about Porsche. I mean, yeah, they really care about the finer details, don't they? And they really try and make their cars, whatever they are, fantastic to drive. Um, and just today, I was I shot for Pistonheads uh, Porsche Taycan 4S versus new Audi e-tron GT oh. I can't talk about that I can't talk about the e-tron GT because that's embargoed until later tonight so I yeah I, I might upset Audi if I say too much about that yeah yeah but, that's okay we can wait on that but the Taycan's very good though those are lovely aren't they it's just so impressive and it steers well it's pretty agile given it's so heavy you know it's that thing just demonstrates how good those Porsche engineers are at what they do doesn't it They're, they are top of their game we just drove the uh, the Cross Turismo, the wagon, the wagon one mm -hmm. with the lift, the the Taycan Outback, and yeah, um, yeah. you know in America, if you want to sell a wagon, you have to raise it an inch and a half and put body cladding on it. That's just like a rule. Oh. We don't understand how to buy like regular wagons, but we'll buy like all the fucking <laughs> Outbacks and all roads and all tracks and cross yeah. tracks and in cross years, tracks. They're gonna and... remove the cladding, yeah. and another ten, they're gonna lower that other inch, and finally we'll have wagons. We'll, we'll circle back. Yep. We're just ping ponging between. Yeah, you guys, you don't like. We call them estate cars. You don't like them, do you? Because we don't have what any estates. Think? We don't understand. This. We don't understand the concept of the estate, really. <laughs> Yeah, no. <laughs> in the UK, an estate can either be like a country estate with an enormous manor house on it, or it can be a housing estate where, you know, people live cheap by jowl and have no money. It can be. It can be either. I I don't. I think it's um, I don't know. Americans and and we like trucks, and we also have big standard sized parking spaces and as long as the vehicle can physically get in between those painted lines on the ground they want to get as close to that shit as possible i don't yeah, know it's true. just it's weird there's also yeah. like our roads do suck you know if you drive around a lot of places even non off-roading seems kind of like off-roading and so ride quality and greenhouse and things like that you know well the driveways have a variety of shapes here like yeah. the drive in redondo you couldn't get into that spot with basically any car that's it was true too steep you like I, yeah. so if your house has a shit driveway or your commute does or the store you go to does and you're tired of scraping your car yeah yeah i i I'm, i can i will defend crossovers in america because they've really made them drive you know go stop and turn 
as well mm. as the great majority of our drivers are capable of going, stopping, yeah, and turning. True. You know what I mean? To, to get to the point where a, cro- a modern crossover's handling utterly falls apart, you got to be going like pretty fast. True. The dumb thing about a lot of it is that the cars get physically larger, heavier because of this extra mass. Right. And also they're up in the air, so they have a, a worse uh, coefficient of drag. Right. So you're just eating more gas. But we also... We had to raise the shoulder line of the car for crash safety. True. You know, you raise the nose for the pedestrian safety. And well, somewhat, something has to give real estate to that, and it, it's the windows. And that's how you end up with the gun slit window look in the sedans. So if, to get a greenhouse, you know, if you drive an E34 BMW or like a sedan from the 90s or my new episode of uh, Modified, I'm driving Skylines, you know, the greenhouse is like, Big and you go well. Where what happened to this big greenhouse? It's like well, we got thick pillars, mm-hmm. we got high shoulders, and to get those back, we have to make the rest make of the, the car taller. taller and pop the top a little bit. It's right. just it's just kind of the that's true the where it's got to go. You know, it sucks. Yeah, that's like, true. Drive <clears throat> even a even a nineties car. You drive one and you just sort of look over your shoulder and you go shit because you can see so much. Yeah, you see. <laughs> You see everything around you, don't you? Whereas today, it's headrest, pillar, C-pillar. And you should, really, you're just sort of doing this, just trying to spot what's behind you. I drove a, an original Mini a little while ago, you know, a little tiny Mini. And that's like being in a goldfish bowl, just glass all around you. Yeah. And actually, you realize that from a safety point of view, that's so much better than just having blinds. Although, you don't want to roll one, do you? Yeah, afraid. right. I mean, my wife has a Mitsubishi Delica, you know, the van, and it's it's full yeah. glass, same glass all the way around. You could see like people are like, is it weird to drive on the right? I'm like, not when you can see 360 <laughs> degrees around <laughs> the car. It's not. No, it's cool. Yeah, yeah. but I, I miss those greenhouses. That's why I like my old. I like my old cars. You know. Yeah, you've got a Safari 911, haven't you? Of course, it's good. Oh man, I I can't recommend you know it highly enough. Yeah, I I, I want to hear about it because. I've seen some of the stuff you've done with it, but it's the concept. It, I just love that idea of a, a more jacked up sports car, bit of ground clearance, bit of body roll, so you actually feel something in the corners. Yeah. Um, you know, the idea of taking it across a bit of gravel or something, it's just, I love that prospect. I just, I have to have a go in one of those cars. And well, if I you come to the States, by all means, if you come to LA, you can drive mine, of course. Um, we might have to get you a little phone box or something. <laughs> Oh, yeah, your yeah. seat's bolted. Yes. My seat's bolted. Is it? Okay. I like to sit down. I like to sit down low, like Seb. I, my, I fucking, I'm tall, you know, and I still, I like to sit. I have probably this much room above my head in my 1987. Like I'm probably about four okay. inches above my head because I like to sit real low in the car, and so, yeah. so my seat's bolted down. But you can have a go by all means. <laughs> it's okay. very fun. Next time I'm there, I'll give you a shout because it's honestly, yeah. it's it's just. And also, you've got it on quite knobbly tires, haven't you? So it doesn't have crazy amounts of grip on the road. Correct. And I just, increasingly, I'm drawn to cars that have quite supple suspension, lots of body movement, not too much grip, cars that are fun to drive at sort of low and moderate speeds. I just, I increasingly can't be bothered with stuff that you drive at seven tenths and you're going so fast and you just don't feel anything because it's yeah. all grip. Yeah, yeah, I'm 100% with you. The Safari's super fun. It moves like somewhere between a 911 and a trophy truck. 
You know, like you said, <laughs> accentuated body roll. Um, yeah. I had these BF Goodrich tires on it for like two years, and it actually it made it steer kind of strange. And I thought that well, maybe that's just how it is. And I just switched to the Falcon uh, Wild Peak AT, which doesn't look as badass. It doesn't look like a big meaty Baja tire, but oh my god, yeah. the car drives so much better. Uh, it's quieter, <laughs> and it actually has like much better steering. I'm really really happy about that. Um, but dude, when it rains in Los Angeles, oh man, do I have a good time i slide entrance <laughs> yeah. ramps i slide every street corner you know because my car is like not that modified mechanically but it's got a quaif in it and a, and a nice yeah. stout clutch so yeah mm -hmm. you can just i can i get a lot of sideways when it gets wet here in los angeles it's very very fun and with this yeah. with the um suspension you know the the dips you know because we don't have um we don't have real sewers here instead mm -hmm. we have surface level channels for water to run when it rains so we've got all these dips everywhere so you, we really have opportunities to to kind of yump it over <laughs> that stuff and to 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 not slow down in places where other people are definitely forced uh you know to slow down it's it's really yeah. really fun it, it's you Love you know it. obviously you give up uh any pretensions of being like a race car or anything like that but yeah. people smile at you because it's weird and it's funny and and, you know, you can be a bit of a dick driving it and they kind of understand. <laughs> and it's good enough on the highway that you could do a couple hundred miles in a day in it and it's no big deal. Um, it's really, really good fun. I've had and I've had no problems with it. It's, it's I just drive it like a car and it's a lot of fun. You know, I recommend I'm totally on board, totally on board with it. And if, I think there's probably it's an immutable law of driving, isn't it? If you can have fun in a city without being totally reckless, right. that is a fun car. It is like that. You can have fun at under 40 miles an yeah. hour in that car. Yeah. 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 Up to a point, after a while, your left leg starts hurting. I think that's why minis are good and Miatas are good. You yeah. Know, things that aren't that fast, you can you can get into the gas pedal. Because all the new cars, you can't really do that because you're just going way too fast, really, yeah. too, really, really quickly. Speaking yeah. of which, the, what they dropped off yesterday is this port. It's <laughs> called the Porsche Boxster 25 Years. Has, have you, has this made it to you yet? Dan? Uh, yeah, it rings a bell. I think I've seen it. I haven't, I haven't had a go in one or seen one here. But it what has is it? these it little just, funky uh... gold. I mean, it's just, it's a Boxster GTS 4.0 with you know 10 millimeter lowered suspension, and then a bunch of these funky retro details that look like the concept car. Um, Zach, it's on my Instagram from yesterday. It's got actually, it it Porsche literally like it almost looks like they put TE37s on the on it. The wheels are kind of dope. I'm, I'm like a fan of the wheels actually. Those are stock Porsche wheels. They yeah. look like HREs. Yes, they do. And uh, it's got a red interior and a red top and these kind of gold accent points on it. It's kind of funky. I like it's it. Cool. It's a little weird. And the GTS is a good car. It is, but as I'm driving over here from my house this morning, I realize that in order to get the four liter, you have to get this. This it's the long gearing, and so mm. I'm I'm shifting into like you know third at like 48, 49 miles an hour, and not even like trying to go quick. And it's just mm. it's 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 a lot of gear, and I still mm -hmm. think even in this little thing, I'd spend the money to have the gears done. Yeah, because yeah. otherwise you just, you're, you're in second the whole time. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, that is right. Because second, you'll pull, what, 80 or something in second? And so Yeah, on. it's like 779 in second and then yeah. 114 in third. It's crazy. 
on on one level canyon roads, you could just you can just leave it in second, can't you? And it'll yeah. just pull, and, and before you need third, you'll be into the next corner. And Actually, just, in my last your... in my last GT4 video, I did that. I literally left it a second mm -hmm. the entire video. I just had the yeah. Avora GT, which the gearing is also too tall in is that car. Is it too long? Then? Yeah, and the shifting's nice, and it sounds good, but second goes to eighty three or something like that. Now it's different but, in the four cylinder cars, right? Don't the seven one eights cars oh. the, with the four cylinder turbo have shorter manual gears? I think they do. I know. I can look. Yeah. Don't they, Dan? I think they do. I think they do. Um, it's certainly not. I don't know. It doesn't seem like such a problem, does it? Yeah. The GT four, the Cayman GT four, and the and the the Spider have the same issue. They just yeah. such long gearing. It's a and fixable problem, fortunately. Yeah, well, last time I was out in LA, or one of the last times, I had to go in the Sharkworks car. Alex did came you, down. Did you drive it uh, when it had all six of the gears done? No, I, I drove it when, what, what had he done? Like, second was still long, but third, fourth was shorter or something. It's a bit bizarre. They do uh, usually do two, three, four, uh, or three, right. four, five, usually is how they yeah. do it. But he had he had one through six done at one point, and it was like it was like a like a Monte Carlo rally setup. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's just buzzing away the whole time, and you just. But that's great, isn't it? Bang, 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 bang through the gears. I like that. Yeah, that's cool. Um. So what? Uh, what is? Uh, what is some of the craziest uh, uh, adventures you've gotten to uh, to get into as as part of the? I hate to put you on the spot as part of you know the British motoring press. You know is legendary in 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 world over. Why is that? By the way, what is it? I mean, obviously you're good. You, you know you have a way with the English language. It's obviously much better than what we've got here in America. But what is it about England that like keeps car journalism on? such like an important place in their culture. Well, it's the English language is a big part of it, isn't it? It's spoken around the world, really. So, you know, the, the German press, they can speak to Germany and whoever else happens to speak German, but they can't speak to an audience like British and American journalists can. But mm. also, I think, you know, I think it's a legacy thing because um, Autocar, it, you know, a UK magazine is the original car magazine. It was the world's first car magazine. And so, the UK must have had a motoring media, uh, an established motoring media before uh, lots of other countries. So it's, it's just sort of snowballed, I suppose. Um, I guess it's also helpful that we're in Europe and we've got loads of great car manufacturers here. Um, True. And motorsport heritage, you know, there are lots of F1 teams are based here, lots of race teams are based here. So there's just a, there's a sector, there's an industry um, that I guess helps. Just sort of I feel you guys also have a lot more easy access to cheap abandoned airfields to to slide cars impressively on. We don't have a lot of well, those. we mm -hmm. true. Yeah, but the, we're starting to lose them. Have you heard of Brantingthorpe? Have you yes. heard that name? Yeah, they have like a crazy yeah. long runway there, right? Yeah, it's a two mile long runway. It's an old um, Cold War runway. It's massive. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I've been going there for years, you know, since I started that first job at Performance Car in 2008. And that's where I learned how to slide a car. It's perfect. There's nothing to hit. They've got wide open corners, a massive long wide runway. You can, just, you can learn, really learn to chuck a car around there. But in the last couple of years, it's been closed as a test track. There you go. There it is. Oh, I've spun lots of cars there. Uh, and it's it's you see you see at the top of the picture all those cars that are stored there. Uh huh. 
there's I think they earn something like oh, wow. eighteen pounds per day per car. Oh and wow, that's a, this is thousands uh, of them. For people listening, is, this, this these lines of cars stretch nearly half the length of this two mile airfield. Yeah, dense. Wow, parked. Yeah, four, how far can you uh, how far can you zoom into that? That's like real unsold. dense. They're unsold new cars. Oh um, yeah, yeah. And so, and so the owners of <laughs> they're not going to be like, oh yeah, just drift around this massive yeah. block of brand new cars. <laughs> yeah. So that the owners of the airfield inevitably they realised that they weren't earning any money out of idiot journalists going there and paying thirty quid an hour or something, and so they've closed it. It's no longer a test track, and they're just going to fill it with unsold cars and make oh. a fortune. But yeah, I mean, people who do what I do over here. We're all gutted about it because it was honestly you could go there for an hour. You didn't have to really book it, and it would cost maybe forty or fifty quid for the hour. Oh um, yeah, you could stay all day if you wanted to, and it was it was perfect. No, there's nothing. Um, we don't have anything like that in mm -hmm. California. I mean, there's in California. I don't know if you've ever been there. There's one real airfield that's suitable for filming. It's called El Toro. It's in Irvine. Okay. They did uh they filmed a lot of, you know, American Top Gear stuff there. And it's how much? It's expensive. Oh, 20, tens of thousands. $20,000 yeah. a day, <laughs> I think. Requires big insurance. And, a mo and an insurance policy that's probably 50 to $100,000 premium for the year. It, and it seems like That's crazy. And correct me if I'm wrong, Dan, that there's you have a lot of these like small, not independent, but like small road courses that seem inexpensive and they're really the density of them, you know, compared to the size of your country is pretty impressive. Whereas we have, I think, pretty large road courses or now these these private, private race country clubs, club. country club yeah. racetrack stuff. But we don't really have many of these like show up, pay a small amount of money and go driving on something sim yeah. on like a simple track that's not Willow Springs. We've got a few of those. We're lucky. We are lucky. So where we all shot our GT3 videos earlier this year, that's Bedford, Bedford Autodrome. Um, and I wrote a piece about this for Piston Heads last week because I've I just happened I've been reading a book called Into the Black about the about NASA um, about the space shuttle program and it just it, there was a passage saying uh, there was a a test pilot by the name of Neil Armstrong never who heard of. was testing it <laughs> was testing an experimental Delta wing plane. Um, at a, an airfield just to the north of Bedford in England. And I was like, wait a minute, that's my, that's the Bedford Autodrome. The Evo office is pretty much at the end of one of the runways. Um, and so I used to go there every week. And that's, that's where we shot the GT3 video recently. And it's, that used to be the hub, the center of Britain's um, experimental flight sector. You know, people describe it as, the UK's Area 51. Oh, cool! Um, and it's now it's now a like a, a racing venue. It's it's well, just we got the map pulled up. It looks like a pretty proper yeah. circuit. There's like four or five different tracks there. Yeah, there are there are four separate circuits, and you can join them together to make a really long one. And it's yeah, it looks like a good because time. It's, yeah, because it's an old enormous airfield. Again, there's just nothing to hit. So th that is the place to learn how to slide a car. Just because yeah, you you know, you'll you just spin. That. That's 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 all that will happen. And where the track day is cheaper, maybe I was incorrect there. Where you know, is it hundreds of dollars or a hundred dollars to get on? Uh, there are places if you're filming or taking pictures, you can get on for 
I don't know, maybe 300 quid, 400 quid for half a day. Maybe it's a bit yeah. more than that. So yeah, like $500 yeah, like a, or something. There's nothing like that here. Like you, you have to either, you'd pay that much to go to like a track day mm-hmm. with like 40 other people, which most manufacturers expressly forbid you from, from doing stuff like that with their cars. Uh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Or, you know, you got to pay to rent the whole track, which even at a minimum in California is six, $8,000 probably. It's, yeah, it's just crazy. not, uh, we just can't get tracks. It sucks. It we sucks. Were. Fortunately, we, <laughs> we have were these mountain roads. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Very early in the morning. <laughs> Yeah, that's the time to do it, isn't it? <laughs> and yeah, those roads you've got out there, the the canyon roads, they're mega. Yeah, we're spoiled. We are very spoiled. What you, so, so, Dan, yeah, this is something we talked to Andrew about, but I want to get your take. What do you feel about the state of cars in the world? Supercars, hypercars, where things are, where we're at or where you think we're going? Um, uh, For instance, so Andrew I, said we were past peak car by about yeah, 10 yeah. years. And I'm sure you're familiar yeah. with that sentiment. Yeah, I think 95 to 2010 was when cars were at their most enjoyable because they had performance, they had reliability, but they still had NA engines. They were light, they were small. They had hydraulic steering or unassisted steering. I think that that period was really the golden age. And I think now we're at a point where lots of car makers, particularly the supercar makers, they don't seem to have ideas beyond more grip, more power. And inevitably, because of all that, more weight, more aero. You know, what's that? What's aero doing for you on the road? It's nothing. I'll tell you what. In the GT3, it means I can't see anybody behind me. <laughs> yeah. It blocked the yeah. entire view out the back, and then I drove it at night. And what it did was it made the headlights flicker back and forth like a strobe, because oh. they'd be covered, uncovered, covered, uncovered, covered, uncovered, and I would do, it, you'd get flickering in the mirror. Annoying, and I went, yeah. "How the fuck did they let this pass? This is crazy." Because their roads are very smooth. Yeah, in Germany. Very, very smooth. Um, yes. In Germany, in Germany. Uh, all the headlights are at the same height, and it's directly yeah. one millimeter under the wing. <laughs> this is your country's fault, not ours. What do you mean you had bumps on the road? <laughs> Did someone drop some marbles or something? <laughs> yeah, right. And it's, it, Do you know what? It, I just I don't want to have a go, really, because I think it's awesome that you can buy a McLaren 765 LT that's clearly got 1,000 horsepower, and you don't need any... <laughs> You know, it's, actually, we should celebrate that, shouldn't we? Because it's it's cool that you can go and do that. However, well, it's a double-edged sword, right? You know, yeah. you have you have this crazy opportunity. You've never been more opportunities to lease your way <laughs> to yeah. Yeah. A, a ten or nine-second car. You know, yeah, yeah, and and also that. But the the consequence of all that power and grip that they've got is that I I can't really enjoy them on the road unless. I'm in the middle of nowhere, somewhere really remote. I just, I just feel like I have much more fun in something like my car, my Alpine, or a little Fiesta ST, right? That car, Ford Fiesta ST, is one of my favorite cars on sale right now. I have more fun in that little thing, hammering along as fast as it will go, than I do in a McLaren driving at six or seven tenths, because if you go any faster, you're gonna lose your license. Um, and so I'm just more and more drawn to cars that are fun at low and medium speeds. Yeah. I think my issue with the way all this is going is certainly in Europe, we're switching very, very quickly from combustion to electric. And how are they going to make electric cars fun to drive at low speeds? I just, I think the only trick they've got at the moment is just faster and faster and faster. And I, 
I find it pretty unconvincing. Are you saying you don't like doing 2-0 to 60 launches repeatedly? <laughs> That's not, you, are you trying to tell me that that isn't like a pleasant sensation for you? Because I, every time <laughs> get in, I get in my loaned Tycon Turbo S, uh, from yeah. every single stoplight I do a launch control because it makes my stomach <laughs> feel like real good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't make it feel like it's gonna eject everything inside it and up through the nose. Yeah, it's, I don't know, man. It's it's. I, I've been talking about this with Andrew recently, and I I do think that it can be done. I do think that you can make an electric car fun to drive, and I really hope it can be made. You know, I can be proven right there. But it's it's all about the batteries, right? And that comes down to the charging infrastructure because without the charging infrastructure, you need a big battery. If you've got that battery, it's gonna weigh two tons, and then yeah not going to be much fun to drive is it so once you can charge a car very quickly very conveniently very easily you can half the size of that battery and then maybe you've got something that could be fun to drive but i mean i think no that the, i think that the performance evs you can buy right now are fun considering you know what I mean? Yeah. A Taycan, especially a high-performance one, is really fun considering its weight. And if you haven't driven, uh, Dan, the, the the base model rear-drive Taycan, it's pretty badass, oh, yeah. actually. It's very nice. Is it? Yeah, yeah, it's very, yeah, yeah. very cool. It's probably the one I would buy. Um, and uh, I have a Mach-E rear-wheel drive mm -hmm. that is fun for what it is. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the Model 3 performance is fun for what it is. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. But but it's but every you know GM has got this thousand horsepower Hummer thing coming out. You know Elon <laughs> Musk is trying to be all fucking this plaid thing is going to be one point whatever seconds. Like no, it's not. Stop, Elon, you're lying. But whatever. <laughs> Still, even it, the things he's offering don't seem pleasant. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, but they're, they're impressive yeah. to say. Right. That's all people right. register, and then they do it once, and they never do it again. On the other hand, dude, you know, have you driven an Elva? McLaren Alpha. No, not you yet. You know, it's obviously an enormous amount of horsepower and very little weight, but the removal of the windshield and that deflector thing that allows you to drive it without real face protection, like, I actually had to give them credit because that is different from more downforce, more, you know, more power. They actually, they don't use the LT's gearing. They use the regular yeah. gearing. They use regular tires and regular engine mounts and all that kind of shit. But the the theater of driving like a convertible that feels like it has a windshield but doesn't, like, that's some whimsy. Like, that's, like, do more shit like that. You know what I mean? Give me some, like, weirdo stuff, you know? I think I, McLaren I, gets point, points for experimenting. You know. I need to have a go in one of these windscreenless cars um, because maybe they are quite fun to drive because you're so exposed to the elements, but a bit more like being on a motorbike, maybe. Well, yeah, it, they're more I, fun I at lower speeds because if you went, yeah. if you go, if you tried to do the speed in a in a Elva that you did in a 720, you would you'd shit your pants. <laughs> you'd take you'd take an enormous amount of detritus to the face. You'd have you'd have a panic attack. You couldn't breathe. Your eyes would be. I mean, it just doesn't it doesn't work. You can't do it. So it gets, it gets like. A hundred in Elva feels like two twenty in anything else. It's fucking crazy how it goes the other yeah. way. You know, yeah. it's nuts. Well, there you go. It it doesn't matter how fast you're going, does it? That is how fast you feel like you're going. Yeah. And so if it even makes you feel like you're going quick, then yeah, maybe so. But can you honestly pull up to a restaurant or something where you know your friends are waiting for you and step out of one of those? Or do you just feel like too much of a knob?
You can if you're a superhero, like an actual superhero. You know, you if you if you make it to Los Angeles, I can't wait for you to see the people that do step out of stuff like that, <laughs> because it is extraordinary. Okay, either that like it's all sweatsuits and Yeezys with like yeah. a four hundred thousand dollar watch, or yeah. it's the full matching. You know, race team owner kind of like livery. You know, where they where they really dress up for the car. It's very very interesting. Yeah, I can only imagine. I'd far rather turn up in your Safari 911. That's a bit more me. Yeah, it's, it means you got you got a little bit of a sense of humor with something like that. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I I've been putting miles on my Ferrari 328, oh, and that thing is fucking great. You know, that's the the 20, 2800 pounds and. 275 horsepower. That's lovely. It's a great time. Yeah. Revs to eight. I'll take that all day. Okay. Would you say 2,800 pounds, 275 horsepower? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that's very similar to my A110, which is 2,400 pounds, 250 horsepower. Oh, you have and a new Alpine, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, is... yeah. <laughs> and that for me is about the right amount of performance for the road because you can use it. It's quite quick. It's quicker than most traffic but you're not you know doing crazy speed if you run it through a few gears that's what i'm into now has it held up all right yeah absolutely it's, fine it's a good car Ten, ten thousand miles uh it's yeah there it is look yeah it, oh wow well, and it says it and there it is parked next to a g body 911 and a and an e30 and it's it's yeah. the right size it's not enormous yeah no, that's it. That that car, the, the A110, it's just it's right from the ground up. That was yeah. last summer when when we went out for a drive into into the countryside with a couple of my friends. Um, that was a good day out. And the um, yeah, that yeah, go ahead. The I was just saying the A110, it's just inherently right. They you know it's small, it's compact, it's light, it's aluminium, it's it's well balanced. It's just an inherently right sports car, and it doesn't need adaptive dampers. It doesn't need rear wheel steering or active anti roll bars or any of that stuff to put right anything that's inherently wrong about it. Because it's just a right car, and you you, know, you feel it when you drive it because it's just it's just fun. It's just brilliant fun. It looks like fun. I've never seen one in person. Is the quality on par with like a Fiesta ST at least? What's the quality like? Uh, it's fine. It's okay. It's you know the the more than Elise though. Yeah, way better. Way okay. better. It's between it's between Elise and Boxster. And oh, okay. So the thing, oh, the there's the interior. About, oh yeah, okay. That looks that that steering wheel looks <laughs> awfully familiar. It's <laughs> I don't think it's from a Renault. Um, no, the, so the the interior. You know, it's like fully insulated. It's carpeted. It's got a proper stereo. It's got all that stuff. So it's not. It's not you know a pain like a like an Elise can be. It's it looks like stinky. really nicely thought out in there too. And I see like yeah. I see I see actually buttons that look like that center console uh, looks like it's out of like a Ferrari four thirty, doesn't it? Kind yeah. of yeah yeah that flo it's got that floating console. It's cool man. It's, yeah, I love very it. cool. That is cool. It. Is that steering wheel from an Avora? The steering wheel is the same the steering wheel as the Lotus Avora. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why it looks familiar. Yeah. yeah, it does look it. I need to compare them, actually. You might be right there. Yeah, but it, it is. looks cool in there. That's a cool-looking car. It's one of the cars you don't get, isn't it? Like the, no. We got yeah, hosed yeah, on that deal. Yeah. I'm not sure Americans, like, you know, it, it might be a tough sell for Americans. Americans don't understand French cars. 
even if you sold, tried to sell it as a Renault, like, like a Renault and Nissan still partners, if they could, they might be able yeah. to get away with it as a Nissan. If they tried to sell okay. it as like a Nissan 200 NX or something, mm -hmm. they could probably mm -hmm. they could probably figure it out. That would be very bold of them. That'd be cool. That would be, be fucking great. cool, wouldn't it? Yeah, this picture, awesome. that I think that demonstrates why, particularly in the UK where we're very sensitive to brand and we're a bit snobbish, we're badge snobs. I think that that photo demonstrates why Alpine might have a tough time in the UK because that was the day I collected my car. So I went to the dealership, and you go to a Renault dealership. You know, and you're walking past Renault crossovers to get to this little corner of the showroom that's set dedicated to Alpine. And I just, I just think that if you're spending box to money, and it is box to money, there'll be a lot of people who would far rather go to mm, yeah, a swanky yeah. Porsche dealership, yeah. get, get, get the treatment, you know, be offered a coffee, see your car sat there alongside a 911, not a Renault Capture, which you won't know what that is, but it's not a cool car, you know. And it's well because because probably. what you're doing when you walk in is you are walking past, you're walking towards the best car, arguably this company <laughs> yeah, makes. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah, at yeah. the top. Yeah. But there's nothing to aspire to. But if you walk in the Porsche dealership and you buy a Boxster, you go okay, and then maybe one day I'll have the 911. Well, or there the was whatever. the problem with this with Genesis. I mean, people didn't in America didn't want to deal with a Hyundai dealer you know, for a luxury brand. Or same thing with Volkswagen Phaeton. Mm -hmm. Phaeton yeah. maybe even more so. Yeah. Where they spent yeah. 85 grand or, you know, 90 grand on this W12, you know, thing that all yeah. the Bentleys are based on. And here they are next to Jettas and, you know, Golfs yeah, and shit. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It, it is a problem for them, I think. I'm not surprised. Alp Alpine is a it's, a, it's a weird, you know, it's it's like a weird like is it a Renault? Is it a what? Is it its own brand? Yeah. Like exactly what the fuck is it? Like I'm supposed to know and I don't even really know. You know? <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> like I'm not even really sure. But yeah, I but it, it just seems like something I really want to fucking drive. But it, but as you I got to... into that funky boxster outside after multiple days with the GT3, I got in the boxster and I went, "Oh shit, this is the correct size for mm. a sports car." Mm -hmm. The, yeah. the Boxster's yeah. engine is not physically any bigger or smaller than the GT3. It's exactly the same size. And now you can move within the lane. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I was like, oh, shit. All right. Yeah. We got a lot of questions, oh. Dan, from the folks. What's up? Yeah, cool. Oh, I thought there was a thing. Fucking delays. Uh, let's go through a few of these. And if you're in the super chat with us live today, uh, five more minutes or so, and then we can shut that down. Uh, Tone Zors says, um, why do OEMs cite manual take rates when uh, getting rid of a manual when uh, out of the um, 1,198 Corollas on sale within 100 miles of me, five are manual, only one a hatch? Um, I, don't, I don't understand the question. What are they trying to say, that, that, that people aren't adopting Corollas either in manual? I, I don't know either. I thought he was actually being sarcastic, like... Only five out of the two thousand or twelve hundred oh. are are manuals, but um, it's not really. I think very it. Well. Oh, okay. What? So there there are only a few manuals. Is that what you're saying? The There's corrals? not a lot of manuals. No, save uh, the manuals. I think may, them, maybe please. this person thinks that they've sold out of manuals and it's very hard to find them. But I think you're looking at it wrong, Toners. Or is it's like 
No, no, no. Out of twelve hundred around you, they've only selling. There's only five manuals available because the take rate. Oh, oh, that's the question. Yeah, they they're saying, well, the take rate is low. That's why we're getting rid of it. When on the other hand, they're making them harder to. Yeah, well, there you end up with the dealers. You know, the the dealers have to order these cars from the manufacturer, right? So if you're looking on dealer lots to buy a manual, dealers are not going to stock a manual, but. You can probably talk a dealer into ordering you a manual if you put down a deposit or whatever and get, you know, whatever color it is that, that you want. Um, mm. I, there is Because ultimately, the dealer is making a bet when they order this inventory. Right. They're going, the number of people that come in this place are going to buy what? Yeah. So why would they look at the numbers of people that are skipping and walking past the manual and then order that thing just to have it on the lot? Yeah. I mean, I, would, I don't blame a dealer principal for not stocking manuals if they're personal data says the automatic version of this car sits on the lot for an average of 12 days and the manual one sits on the lot for an average of 35 days and well buy yep. you know i don't blame them for that yeah the but and i don't necessarily blame a dealer for saying oh you want a manual i'll order it for you but the incentives aren't there to buy what's on the lot today it is what it is you know i'm sorry i, I hate to be the guy who says well the manual is going to cost you more because of this but like it might you know, it might. Mm -hmm. Or you might have to take a little trip. Yeah. Buy one out of state. Yep. You said there's five? See a new place. Yeah. That's four that won't be yours and one that will. You know what I mean? <laughs> also, um, though, you you, yeah. you you can't, you can't um, you know, like in the UK, the, the new M3 and M4, there's no longer a manual option. Uh, because really? we don't get the lower spec one. Yeah, we only get the competition, which only comes with that. Oh, bro, wow. here they're running commercials on the fucking daily that are talking about the new M3 with manual transmission. You seen that commercial? It's filmed wow. at Thermal with um, some actor that's one. It's like handsome, but in kind of like an unconventional, maybe almost ugly way. Like it's not Adam Driver. It might be. <laughs> it's someone like that. It's, you know what I'm talking about? This <laughs> is a good description. It's, but it's like literally it's the whole commercial is that the M3 comes with a stick. It's the, that's the basis of the yeah. whole commercial. I can't remember you guys who's in it anyway, We can't play it, but I can't remember who's in it. But they're doing a lot of drifting at Thermal. Do you know what? I've got a story about Thermal. Can I Please. tell my story about Thermal? Of, yes. Um, hang on. Oh, I've, I've just forgotten the dude's name. This is stupid. Uh, hang on. Talk amongst yourselves for a moment. <laughs> Thermal is a private racetrack club in Palm Springs. <laughs> I once took a helicopter there for the Lamborghini Urus launch. That helicopter, a year later, killed Kobe Bryant. Well, the pilot. Oh, the shit, pilot, I heard you Kobe talk Bryant. Yeah, very same helicopter. Uh, also, Thermal has the best uh, on-track restaurant I've ever had in my life. When you come off your session, they give you an iced towel to put around your neck. And there's literally a fucking D's ass espresso machine in the pits. It's it fucking rules. <laughs> I was I was there a couple of years ago on a, a Michelin tire launch. Oh yeah. Uh, PS4S, right? No, it's just a PS4, so maybe before then. Um actually I'll come back to this in a moment because that I, I met you for the first time then, Matt, and you won't remember this, but I'll I'll freak you out by telling you a story after oh, this. God. So we were we were at Thermal, um, and Keanu Reeves was there, uh, and we had a load of M cars, um, and weirdly, you know, we're doing ducks and drakes, so with an instructor in the front, and then three cars behind, and Keanu Reeves was in my little group, 
so we're we're going around thermal. Um, I'm in an M4. I think we all had M4s behind an M2. Uh, and Neo is in the car behind me. Uh, and the pace is starting to pick up a little bit. And he starts dropping back. And, you know, a couple of laps later, there's a massive gap between three of us and Keanu Reeves at the back. And at the end of the session, we pull into the pits. And he, he wanders over and he says, oh, sorry, guys, I was holding you up. And I was like, faster than Neo from the Matrix, man. <laughs> I, was, I was delighted with that. He's a good he's a good guy. Every a lot of people in LA have a have a Keanu spotting story. He's always kind of around on the uh, on the arch motorcycles. Yeah, um, he's, yeah, he seemed like a good lad. I liked him. That was a really uh, an interesting event. It was I remember that event being fun, except they gave me the most ridiculous amount of swag you could ever imagine. Yeah. It was obscene, and we I gave it all away on Instagram, but some people yeah. did did not. Uh, which is it's just fine, whatever. But it was like moon boots and like all kinds boots, of crazy. The boots. <laughs> yeah, I remember the boots. Yeah. yeah, no, it was it was when I was in LA for that. It was in Palm Springs, wasn't it? But it was, I was in LA just before then. I came into your house, Matt. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, you was he asleep? You was were Matt sleeping? No, <laughs> you were you were walking along the boardwalk with Mr. JWW. Oh, and, and I bumped into you guys, and he was good enough to stop and say hello. We were right outside your house. You invited me in, and I came in and met your dog. Oh, this must have been when Nino was living there, the pug. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Nino was living there. Okay, cool. Yeah, I. Don't remember that. There uh, a lot of weed, a lot of years, but I'm glad I was so hospitable. <laughs> Honestly, you were very, you were very hospitable. I I'm glad. Uh, th uh, thanks for stopping by. You're welcome to come by anytime. Not at all. No dog yeah. this time. Uh, uh, the 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 roommate who had the dog uh, has left. We have four cats now, though, so they're 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 equally fun. Okay. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so I'm, I'm a little ashamed. I don't remember that. Um, I I do remember when James because uh, James was uh, real was really tight with Thad, so he was chilling. With, he was actually chilling with Thad, um, and yeah. Uh, yeah, I was Thad. only there for twenty. Yeah, well, I'm glad you could stop by. It's nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had a good time. Uh, Shaky Burn says, shout out to Dan, one of my favorite people. Uh, oh, and Dan needs to get in a GT 350R. You omitted it in a recent video. Uh, getting a goddamn 350R. Well, the Mustang. Yeah, yeah the I, Mustang. I, yeah, I tried one at Thruxton, which is the fastest circuit we've got in the UK. Um, it's a frightening circuit. Three years ago, did a good, good few laps in one. That is a great car. I really liked it. That's the one of the flat plane crank V8, isn't it? Yeah, it's real cool. Yeah, that was good. And it's got like a proper sort of track day chassis. I thought it was awesome. Yeah, that car is really, really well um, set up. Uh, although, if you're on bumpy roads, the 305 front tires can get a little darky. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Going a straight line. Uh, Zach, scroll up. Uh, oh, Zach. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Got it. Uh, Chappie says... Uh, uh, I love I love the intercooler. I went from a stick 997.1S to a stick F-type. Uh, would that be a step down in the driving experience? The Jag is a very pretty car. Yeah, step down, I'm afraid. Unfortunately, very pretty car. yes. 
And the stick F type is actually objectively pretty good. No, yeah, I, okay. I, I like the F type. I like the F type. What I don't like is that stick shift. I don't like that manual transmission. I think it's, I don't know, maybe you'll feel differently, but compared to that 997 Carrera transmission, that gear shift is lovely. And the one in the Jag for me is just, it's fine. It's fine. Well, it's but, the it's the BMW Getrag. It's the same. It's the same transmission shifter and clutch assembly that they use in the M3, and so it yeah. feels just like that. So if yeah, you're into how a okay. BMW man you feels, which almost nobody is, <laughs> as I say that as a BMW owner, and it's true for almost every generation of fast BMW I've yeah. driven. I agree. It yeah. would be a step down in driving experience. Although a stick F type is not such a bad thing. It's okay. Uh, Chip Manuel says, uh, looking back on your careers, what piece of journalistic content are you particularly proud of? Dan? None. None. <laughs> None. No, I think, your next I think piece is your best piece, Dan. Yeah, it is. I think the moment you reflect, you look back and reflect and go, <coughs> I'm proud of that. It's no, because it could always be better. Your next piece will be better. Be more informed. You could have worked harder. You could have spoken to more people, done more stuff. Just it's always the next one. It's always the next one. You know, I've, I've had a lot of fun, done some reasonable stuff, but no, don't look back with pride. That's fair. That's I'll a, take that's that and awful. kind of flip it a little bit, but like, humble. The, I think if you look back at something and you like it, what I do is then I go, well, I don't like a lot of the other ones. So why do I like about that one? Mm. And then to your point, Dan, then you can go, okay, what am I, what do I need to do better? What do I need to work hard? Why do I like this one better? Because I probably worked harder on it, put more thought into yeah. the, in, than these other things. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm, the one thing I ever did that like, first off, I, I, ver I don't like, I, I almost don't like anything I've ever done on camera. Like I, <laughs> I hate looking at myself, you right. know, I don't particularly like listening to myself. Just to, I, right. I, I make that stuff and then I send it off and I don't really look at it again. Uh, I, I've had things I was very proud of editing as an editor when I made a film or something uh, and I was really proud of something, some of the things we did, like when we went to New Zealand six mm -hmm. years ago and I edited some of that, I thought I did a really good job with some of that stuff and, mm -hmm. and I like that. Um, I wrote the, the Million Mile Lexus piece that I wrote and that was printed. It was like, I wrote 3,700 words that they printed in a magazine. That's a wow. lot of words to get printed in a magazine. So, yeah. and it was the That's Million cool. Mile Lexus project. So that one, that one felt good. That's yeah. about it. That's really. cool. That's cool. Uh, Thomas Harrison Lord says, "What was it like to drive a V12 Ferrari for the first time?" Dan directed specifically. Yeah, so is that a leading? Well, that is that a leading story? No, it was maybe, but it was uh, back in March this year. I drove a V12 Ferrari for the first time. Oh, um, I didn't realize it was like this year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah just somehow, you know, it, all, all those cars had passed me by. I'd never driven one before. And I, it was an 812 GTS, and my God. What a piece of shit, right? <laughs> what a great <laughs> car. <laughs> what a great it's, car. It's just, and that engine, wow. I mean, it was, yeah. I'd, I'd waited a long time to drive one of those cars, and it was everything I hoped it would be. It was really special. What did, what did the V12, and that one especially, I guess? Well, let's do this. What did that V12 do that maybe others from Aston or other companies didn't, and then... You know, what is it about V12s that are so unique compared to like an eight? Okay, so that one, it goes to eight, nine, doesn't it? Almost 9,000 RPM, <laughs> which is for an engine that size is bonkers. The, the Aston ones are probably done at 
six and a half thousand. So you've got this reach at the top end. You've also got power, power, 800 horsepower, which is way more than a naturally aspirated engine, um, uh, Aston engine ever produced. Uh, so it just rips. That's what you've got. You've also got six liters of this, six and a half liters. So you've got torque, but it so it pulls through the mid range. But then it just rips at the top end, and it it howls and it wails and it just keeps on going. And it's the it's the power delivery that's just so exciting. Uh, and the speed and the soundtrack. Yeah, twelve V twelve. It's just the configuration, isn't it? Like sometimes. You think a V8's great, you think a V10's great, but then you drive a V12 and you realize that's where it's at. Yeah, I agree completely. Yep. You have a point. Yeah, no further questions, Your Honor. No, GTS is the shit. A12 GTS is the shit. That's a silly, silly car. It's very good. And now um, they've done the, the competizione ones, haven't they, that go to nine and a half. Yes. <laughs> Increase the rev limiter, Sergio. More Thank titanium, you more power, yeah, right. faster revs. Good lord! I like that. I, I mean, I like that we're not giving up entirely on the naturally aspirated engine. I mean, that's good. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's thank God for that. It's fuck. I mean, it's nice. That car is. It's so amazing. Yeah, so great. Yeah, I, uh, and every time I drive one, I just think I don't want to drive a turbo car ever again. You know. <laughs> I know. Once you go, you can't really go back. Although some of the, like yeah. the crazy like tuner shit is really fun. I mean, yeah. like a, yeah. a turbo car that gives you the right sensations. It's not like yeah. I think you probably mean like the mass market production turbo cars, where it's like the flat torque mm. curve is really the yeah. pinnacle of that achievement. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. the, the ones that go racing. <laughs> those that, are fun. That that supercharged <laughs> mini, like that was such a wonderful engine experience. Oh, yeah. Sounds, feel, power, oh, and yeah. all of that. That was great. Oh, yeah, Zach and I drove a classic mini that had a rotrex supercharged v6 in the back of it it had made 550 <laughs> horsepower it was batshit it was twitchier than meth addicts who have not had their supply like that <laughs> if you lifted the throttle thought about it whoa like they turned in it was scary it was straight scary weight transfer was wow. accentuated holy shit <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> sounds dangerous it was but it was great it was it was really really nice it worked properly though it did the thing mm -hmm. it did the thing that they were selling yeah. Oh my God. Uh, Ray Lee says, "What is your favorite factory non-M BMW?" Easy, Z1. Yeah, i8. I love it. I love the i8. I8. That goes Z8. I8. I I didn't drive the i8 in 2014 when it came out. I think I might have loved it then. I didn't drive it until 2020, and by then I was like, wah wah. <laughs> <laughs> I just. I, do you know? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's nothing like a, a, a 911 or an R8 or something to drive. But if you use one for a little while, apart from it being a pain to get in and out of, it's actually just quite lovely. You know, driving silently through town, decent performance, good fuel economy. It's got skinny little tires, so it really skates along the ground. You can make that thing just. It slides a bit like a classic car. And you're really hammering along in it. I, I just think it's and it looks cool. It's got a great cabin, but yeah, good question though. Uh, also, I mean the current M550i X Drive. I mean that's a an M performance one, isn't it? It's not a full M car, but that is a great sort of sleeper. That is a great smoker. That thing. I drove that thing. It was a little. 
little of this. What? I'm doing the motion <laughs> of the ocean. Thing. <laughs> I don't mind that. Soft and that. supple. So, very soft and supple. You know the Alpina XB7, the Al the yeah. giant three-row SUV with the Alpina treatment. Yeah, yeah. It had body motions like kind of resembling a luxury trophy truck, and that was <laughs> sort of fun in its own way. It really yeah. was. I swear. <laughs> yeah, I've tried it. That is fun. That thing. It's yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I don't mind cars that move around actually, as long as they no. don't sort of. As long as it's not loose control and they get out of phase with the wheels and stuff, I just, I, I don't mind feeling the car working beneath you. I'm cool with that. No, I went back. I drove an E39 M5 not long ago, and I was at first I was like, "Holy body roll!" And then I was like, "Oh, <laughs> wait a minute! It goes yeah. from grip to no grip with a whole area in between that I can yeah. feel." Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I see. That's it, isn't it? That's yeah. it. That's what I want in cars. Yeah, you can play with them. They don't just lose grip like that. There's a yeah. there's a window. Yeah, yeah. yeah and when they lose grip in a modern supercar, you're going 150. You know, and then you yeah. crash a lot. And you, you, and you sail it off you a crash a lot. Yes. Yeah. A, a significant supply of crashing just right? like yes. uh, Last question before we uh, wrap it up here. Any thoughts on the chip shortage? Dealers are selling their demos and used car prices are up. Yeah, capacity or factory production is like <laughs> way down, right? Mm -hmm. It's like not making right. cars. Yeah. yeah. And it's so, going to take months. The, what is causing the chip shortage? I don't know. Is I it raw minerals or is it like supply chain? I don't really know. I don't know either. My guess is supply chain. I'm going to try to look it up quickly. Maybe for the next show, we should look into the chip shortage more. We've well, been asked two Zach's, shows in a row about it. While Zach's looking that up, can I just tell all your lovely listeners and viewers about the Intercooler app, please? A hundred percent. All right. Defined. Okay. As I said, we launched the app just over two weeks ago. And it's a new kind of digital car magazine. We think it's the first of its kind, right? So it's... It's a digital car magazine that's sort of presented, packaged as a mobile app. We've got what we think is one of the best teams of writers out there. Um, we've got the likes of Henry Catchpole. We've got Karen Chandock, who's an XF1 driver, and he just writes about motorsport so beautifully. People like Mel Nichols, Andrew English, um, Peter Robinson, and other guys as well, who are just the grandees of car, car media, right? Particularly in the UK. Um, and we post great stories. Uh, every day, there's at least one really good article up there. We've got podcasts and videos and other bits and pieces. And the key thing about this, and this is what no one's tried before, as far as we know, is that you have to subscribe. You have to pay to view all this stuff. Um, and the important thing about that is that it means you can just write great stories that our, reader, our readers want to read. It's not about satisfying uh, you know, the SEO algorithm. It's not about satisfying advertisers. So we've put the emphasis back on the reader. And that's why, you know, if people just pay a little bit of money for this stuff, it, the quality of it improves drastically. And so what we're hoping to demonstrate with the Intercooler app is that people are ready to pay for digital written content. Um, and it's, it's early days, uh, you know, we'll, we'll figure out in a few months from now whether or not it's going to work, but we're giving it a go. And if anyone wants to download it, just search the intercooler in the app store, you'll find it. Does it seem like it's working so far? Is it going well? We think, we think so. Everybody gets a one month free trial. And so we're still in that one month phase. So, you know, if, if when that's over, everyone cancels and goes, no, nah, not for me, then no, it hasn't <laughs> worked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but, if, but if people stick around, 
that reasons to think it up. Yeah. I completely agree with you. The difference between having uh, no front end budget and stories and headlines and photos that are just designed to for maximum clicking and having mm -hmm. a dedicated subscriber base with a monthly predictable budget and you know that these folks will read a variety of stories that may not yeah. be the most SEO friendly. Yeah. I mean, I always think about the kind of stuff that I loved in like the 90s or whatever, if that shit was like on demand based on like a thumbnail and a title and it wasn't just like, oh, the new episode of blah, blah, blah is out. I'm going to watch it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like it would be a totally different thing. So it's, it's really hard with on demand because it's all about drawing those eyeballs, right. drawing those eyeballs, which is totally at odds with what the kind of stories that interesting people find interesting. You know, yeah. right? Yeah. Because it's been a contest for numbers. I mean, it always has with television stuff, but with the internet, it seems like it's become so focused. There's like the trick headlines thing, and mm -hmm. then and with the hybrids, like if you're a traditional magazine trying to move into a, a, a digital subscription, you still have those advertisers to satisfy. Yeah. So you're trying to satisfy like the new reader, but also the advertisers. So you guys kind of get around that, which yeah. seems like a very good idea. Bring it yeah. to the people, we, right? We don't, we don't advertise, and it just means that you know we're not beholden to anyone apart from our readers. They are. They are our overlords, and our job now is just to satisfy them with great stories, and nothing else matters. And because these people, these lovely subscribers that we've got, are paying for it, we know that they love cars, and we can't go too deep with the geeky detail. Um, and yeah, there we go. It's it's good. It's exciting, and I hope, yeah. that, and I hope it works. And thank you for letting me talk about it. I do too. Yeah. And when it come, when you run out of stories in the UK, you can come over here and get some more. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Matt, we should talk. Maybe maybe you guys could do something for us. I I'd like to actually. I see. I kept seeing when on your Instagram, like now announcing this amazing person <laughs> is working for the intercooler. I was like, when's yeah, there yeah. gonna be my fucking headshot up there? Like, now <laughs> announcing this dude we'll is talk. on the intercooler. Yeah. No. We could be like, here's what it's like to have a big ass parking garage because <laughs> <laughs> because YouTube isn't stable income what uh, <laughs> what um, yeah, dude thank you so much for your time hmm? no dude thank you thank you so much for having me I appreciate it good to catch up with both of you guys of course yeah man um, the uh, the the intercooler is available in the Apple App Store, the Google Play uh, Store, yeah. anywhere else. Where else can you go to the intercooler.com and get all the links? I imagine. .co.uk. The intercooler.co.uk. It's there. .co.uk. Yeah, you got to go over to the fucking limey internet to get it. You can't <laughs> get it on a fucking American internet. Um, and of course, the intercooler on the gram. Uh, if you want, if you want the light version. Uh, it's a good follow. That that is free. And if you want to see yeah. maybe a little little dip in the bucket without going full uh, downloading the app, the gram is actually like reading a car magazine on the inter. Mm -hmm. Oh, and the, the the downloading link is on the uh, intercoolers bio yep. uh, on Instagram. Also, uh, tell yeah, Andrew that we said hello. Thank you for coming. I will. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. We got to get uh, put me in touch with Henry. We got to get Catchpole yeah. on the yeah. show. Yeah, I will. He's a good yeah. lad. Yeah, Talk can you can you make the make the connect? I met him on the side of the road once. He couldn't have been nicer. Yeah, I will. If you get him on, make sure you ask him about the bowler that he was driving while I was in the passenger seat, and just 
Get him to tell you what happened. I mean, anything, anything nothing good can start behind the wheel of a bowler with two two Englishmen trying to impress <laughs> each other. Anytime someone says, ask about the story in the off-road machine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something happened. All I'll say is, I ended up with literally blue testicles. <laughs> I, I might have to fill that, okay, I, I've gone public with it now. Can't leave I'm, us hanging now. I, sh I, sh I shouldn't have done, sorry, Henry. He was driving a bowler that got inverted while I was sat, while I was in it, and you, and it had a, a full harness, and you know you've got the lap the the belt through your legs. Yeah. yeah. That that as we were upside down caused some damage. <gasps> no. That sounds horrible. <laughs> Do you still blame him oh, for this God. this damage? Is it lasting yeah. damage? Are we okay now? No, I mean, it was a few days. <laughs> as, as far Fucking as I know. Beats. A few days, woof. That's a scary few days. <laughs> did you, did someone well, have to write a long apology letter to Bowler? Or was it, did Bowler have to write a long apology letter to you? Well, they should have done. They didn't. But, no, I think, I think they were cool with it. <laughs> I think it Those... happens a lot. Cool uh, uh, another one's ended up on the roof. Uh, <laughs> how are his balls? Okay, they're okay. <laughs> Recalled for ball damage. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. I'll, well, I'll thank you for time. joining us, dude. We really appreciate it. Good stuff. Thank you very Great much. Great radio, Cheers, Dan Prosser of the Intercooler. That is our show. Uh, we appreciate you spending the time with us, Zach. When are we next live? We, you and I are going to do a cruise show. I think we're going to do it this weekend. Okay, so Saturday, probably Saturday, Saturday. We the time and announce it on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Saturday cruise show Q and A. Get down on it. Zach went racing at Sebring. He raced mm -hmm. lemons. Uh, I went to drive the Acura. TLX yes. Type S and the Boxster and I'll have a Harley Davidson and there's a whole bunch of things going on and uh, Dan again have a great rest of your evening and thank you for joining us same to all the rest of you out thank there you very in much. internet land peace <laughs>